Well, Sesame Street will probably be okay since it's on HBO. But at least we've got Elmo. That's right. For rich people. I like uh, Gonzo. Well, there would be some. There would be occasional crossover by Kermit, Miss Piggy, and uh, Gonzo. Like Sesame Street Infinity War. Right. (laughs) That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And on that note. Welcome to Sanity Check, a podcast devoted to staying informed and sane in the time of Trump. I'm Ben, and I'm joined today by Mike and Andrew. Hey. Hi. We're recording on the evening of Thursday, April 6th, 2017. Today is day 77 of The Resistance. If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes, the Google Play Store, and at our website, sanitycheckpod.com. So uh, let's get things started with uh, with our now trademarked uh Opening segment, best and worst of the week, because we definitely came up with that. Um, Andrew, you want to start us off? Sure. Um, I'll say my best of the week is... uh, uh, We talked about this a little bit before recording, but I'm going to steal yours, Mike. Um, I knew you were going to do that. It's really unhelpful. (laughs) Is Bannon being forced to step down from the uh, National Security Council and... uh, most of the members that used to be there being reinstated. I, I, I think that's how it should be. And also, um, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Wow, that's a really insightful and uh, f- refreshing hot take yeah. on a best story of the uh, of the week. I know that's amazing. And um, and uh, and I look forward to what is added to it. Well, Andrew, why don't you give us your worst so that Mike has time to think of a new best? <laughs> he can use my... I've used other people's bests before. Some of us um, have standards. <laughs> fair enough. Um, my worst story of the week is uh, that apparently we're at war now. So, so that's you stole my worst now. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's what just happened, right? Like, Like an hour ago. Is this uh, all like I, a meta reference to how Neil Gorsuch did some plagiarism? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm I'm going to go with yes. Brilliant. Um, I heard a rumor that his uh, first law clerk is going to be Monica Crowley. Crickets. And if you got that joke, <laughs> pat yourself on the back. <laughs> Andrew still hasn't gotten that. Nope. Andrew doesn't know who that is. No. That's all right. Um, okay. Uh, then I guess I'm 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 done. All right. Well, yeah, now Mike and enough. I both have time. To, we have we both. Have no, I can do mine. I'm good. All right, you go, Mike. So my worst story of the week is uh, one that recently came out about Iowa, where half the uh, half the half the insurers on the Obamacare market in Iowa have um are not going to be on the market anymore, and so um that's a bad thing, and. There's not really much that more to say about objectively that. Objectively bad. And then my positive story is I'm going to use. Um, so Ben, you mentioned it's been 77 days, and and using the Julian calendar that breaks down to 11 weeks. It does. And, and so my favorite. That's not, it's not 13 weeks. Well, you're going to yeah, you're you're a little spoilers because my favorite thing was the Trump quote. We've had one of the most successful 13 weeks in history. And he's been president for 11 weeks. So, As told to the failing New York Times in a 30-minute exclusive sit-down in the Oval Office. Because <laughs> he them. hates the New York Times so much. 
So he needed. And to after twenty four minutes, he was like, "This has been the most successful thirty minute interview." <laughs> yeah, that's what I got. Um. All right. So I'm gonna go with worst. I'm gonna ignore the part that Andrew stole from me, and I'm gonna say that I'm also concerned about a second armed conflict in addition to the mm-hmm. one that apparently just started. Uh, this being in, potentially in North Korea. So you're I'm talking... Al- so I'm also concerned about that. Just to make sure it's clear, this we're talking about how the we recently, like just an hour ago, struck Syria with missiles. And that's the that's first appar- armed conflict you guys are referring in, to. in retaliation to uh, Syria's use of chemical weapons on its own citizens, we have fired somewhere around 50 Tomahawk cruise missiles at... Syrian chemical weapons installations. So that's what we are referring to. And in reference to North Korea, I'm referring to the increasing tensions there, um, probably highlighted by the most recent nuclear test and a missile that they fired off the east coast of South Korea just a few days ago. So for my best, um, first I want to highlight that I was very pleased and remain pleased that what I see as the pressure from progressives um, and the left in general on the uh, Senate Democrats was really very effective um, in the sense that there was a strong filibuster of Neil Gorsuch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it did not succeed in torpedoing his nomination, but I think it sent uh, a message both to the Republicans and probably more importantly to the Democratic base that the party is listening and understands uh, what we want and what needs to be done. So uh, I was pleased about that. So moving on, um, as you can tell, we just started recording with some some big breaking news that we've already uh, mentioned. And so I think we're going to pivot straight to a discussion of the whole situation uh, regarding Syria. We should probably like uh, break break down the circumstance. Yeah. Um, let's so, see. What we need is like a quick explainer. I mean, we know what happened. There was Bashar al-Assad. There's been an ongoing yeah. horrible conflict in Syria. Which the Trump um, administration has been generously uh, closing our borders to Syrian refugees proudly for the last two attempted travel bans. Uh, and has also been bizarrely supportive of uh, the Russians, uh, like every other way that they have been. What is the relationship um, between the Russians and Syria? The Russians are the major sponsor of Bashar al-Assad, who is the dictator who controls now part of Syria and who does really terrible things to his own people, which culminated most recently in a really heinous chemical weapons attack on his own people, which is really beyond any norms of pretty much anything. It was horrific. Yeah, there are, and there are a lot of pictures and video, and I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of documentation of this attack. Um, so it's a, it's pretty. Difficult and it's to a ignore. war crime, or I mean, and or a crime against humanity. Yeah, they are classified yeah. as weapons of mass destruction by the international community. So we and he in could theory, be Assad had uh, closed down his chemical weapons production and handed over his 
chemical weapons to uh, the United Nations. Uh, but clearly he didn't. Well, or he kept, you know, you want to keep a little bit just in case. Right. Just or in case knows, you decide maybe, to, you know, murder some of your innocent civilians. Maybe he got some uh, some extras from his uh, Russian buddies. I mean, we, we, we don't know. We do uh, not know. But he, he did he did use them. What, what was it, Saren? That's what it, that's what Here's, I've heard. I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not an expert. But yeah, most, what I've heard is that most it's famously Saren. used in the Tokyo subway attacks. Probably, um, it's a uh, it's a neurotoxin, which is really really nasty stuff. And it's this really, apparently really, really to got to Trump for some reason, or else he performed yeah. that it had really gotten to him during his appearance with um, he, the King of Jordan today. Up, up until now, the position of the Trump administration has basically been, well, you know, it's too bad, but we're really not going to hold Assad accountable for anything. Or or there was that great time he said, what, you think we're so innocent regarding the United States? So he's typically had kind of an ambivalent attitude about people being violent and monstrous. Which, which all of which sort of leads me to think that this is posturing on a larger stage than just this particular one. I don't know. Tell but, me more. That that Syria is, you know, it had been uh, functioning as a proxy for an interaction with Russia in us sort of ignoring it and letting Russia sort of have its way. But maybe, I don't know, are we, is this, like, how does this relate to that? That's what, that's what. Geopolitical puzzle, if you will. I mean, you you had the infamous red line that President Obama declared in 2013 uh, regarding chemical weapons, specifically, and uh, arguably then, and certainly now, Assad passed that line, and you know, President Obama, I believe correctly, made the decision not to uh, escalate in a huge way militarily, um, but I, I, that's a, that was a tough one. Um, uh, you know the, the the biggest issue here being, as we've mentioned, that Assad's biggest sponsor is Vladimir Putin and Russia and all of their nuclear weapons. I mean, if if this were a, a really isolated guy like Gaddafi or Saddam Hussein, circa Gulf War One. Um, it would probably not be that difficult to orchestrate an international military response to shut him down. But when you've got one of the world's three major nuclear powers backing him, you know anything and everything that you do is takes on a far more serious tinge. See, I think that you guys are making a mistake because Trump doesn't know any of what any of you, what either of you just said. And he oh, doesn't I was care. talking about reality. I wasn't talking about Trump. No, I know, but I was trying to... Th- so I'm thinking about this from the point of view that Trump doesn't care about other people. So I think... He cares about Ivanka. Yeah. Anyway, that's not... That's unrelated to what I'm thinking about in this case. But what I think was he learned from his joint address to... From his address to the joint session that military stuff was was easily mined for for prestige and accolades and admiration and so i think he saw another opportunity here to do something that would seem strong you know he has this he has a real attraction oh, to he, things that are strong and violent 
And remember, he he because he was kind of uh, I mean, he was always a creep, right? And he was kind of a bad kid, and so his dad sent him to military school, and so he has this weird image of himself as like a tough, military-minded guy. Well, and he has this Despite weird image of what constitutes Einstein. being a tough guy, and it is shooting missiles and bombs. Yeah, it's blowing up people and hurting people and suppressing dissidents at home and killing people abroad. And so I think this fits in with what he thinks a presidential thing to do is. You know, he saw people were outraged and he was like, oh, I should do something violent. And so he, this is what he did. And I doubt he thought through any of the consequences whatsoever. We people know, we were already outraged. We have an update on the actual military action. Wait, um, before you do that, though, Andrew, you said people were already outraged. What do you mean? Pe- people, people were outraged about violence in Syria before this happened. Like, what? Why is this all of a sudden tugging on his heartstrings? Like, is this? Well, my theory is, he... is that it's not tugging on his heartstrings, but that it provides a good moment for him to posture in response. Like, so you're yes, people. There's an outrageous I, I mean, level I... of violence going on, but this is a different level what's what it, Assad did it does totally provide a moment that that's true i just it like there was always a moment and and something has overcome his desire to play nice with russia i don't even know i that's what i really disagree with you about i don't think okay. he thought it through that far and i think if anything he's he's thinking that he can differentiate himself from obama because he's gonna do something about it and obama didn't right because Obama had the red line and then Assad crossed the red line and Obama didn't do anything. And Trump's like, well, now I'm going to do something. So that's one part of it. And then he just likes committing violence. He's been obsessed with the military the whole time. Well, as as John rightly brought up last week, there has been a shadow war going on in Yemen that is not being talked about at all, basically. Was that where the botched raid happened? That is where yep. the botched raid happened, but that, that isn't... Sp- specifically what he was talking about there, he was talking about that, you know, we're about 77 days into the administration and there have been over 80 unique airstrikes in Yemen. Wow, we really aren't talking about that. I wonder why do you think that is? We're we're having a a sustained, almost continuous air campaign um, against al-Qaeda in Yemen. um, And it's not being talked about it all. We, we've launched as many airstrikes in Yemen as President Obama did like in his whole last term. Uh, well, and to me, that aligns very much with Trump, where Trump is like, yeah. all right, we're going to be tough now. And it's like, what does tough mean? It means we blow up more people. And but in, it doesn't general, mean do it quietly. On a rate basis, yeah, that is that Trump has launched drone attacks at about five times the rate that President Obama did. So President why do you Obama think was, we're not hearing more about this? as like Mr. Drone, right? Um, I really don't know. I don't have a good explanation for that. What's Maybe the either. What's the shadow like? What? Just that we're not we're, hearing about it. We're, it's not we're a declared fighting. war either, right? I mean, neither I mean, is n- none Syria, of our military but, actions have yeah. been for for a long time. We could very easily end up in a war with Russia if Trump didn't handle this very delicately. I.e., he didn't. Or a war with, or a war with China if Trump doesn't handle the other thing very delicately. No, I don't think that. I feel like Z. That seems Xi a lot Jinping less likely. Is like, I feel like he's got Trump's number completely, oh, and he's going to yeah. just play him <laughs> Chinese, like a the violin. Chinese are they are smart, and and I don't think they really want to go to war. Of course either, they so. don't. No, yeah. and they're not. They're 
they're kind of awful, but they're not crazy. The Chinese, you know, I mean, like they they know North Korea is crazy. They, they use it to their advantage. They don't do as much as they could to keep them in check. Trump is a but... gift to them. Yeah, oh, definitely. Because he's so manipulable. Anyway, just the latest update on our military action is that we've launched uh, 59 Tomahawk cruise missiles, and they were not actually at um, chemical weapons installations because we don't have any idea where those are, probably. We're actually aimed at Syrian fighter jets and other infrastructure. So it was uh, a very kind of conventional... Targeted military targets. Yeah. Well, and the mechanisms of delivery for the chemical weapons. Yeah. 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 To be Um, honest, I think Hillary Clinton was saying something similar. Like, I I saw a quote from her today where she was like, we should blow up some airfields. Well, she was much... She argued for basically that action um, when she was still Secretary of State. Yeah, she was much more hawkish than Obama. That was my big concern about her in the election. (laughs) Trump... Was always like, I'm not going to get us embroiled in any weird stuff. We're just going to make, we're just America first. We're going to build walls and stuff. And that lasted 11 or 13 weeks, depending on how you count. Yeah. Well, I mean, George W. Bush was the compassionate conservative. And then, well, uh, yeah. We saw how I mean, that went. And, and Mike, unless you count being in Yemen, in which case it lasted potentially zero weeks. It is hard to count. I mean, it, we're in it's such a different time than our Nobel Peace Prize winning Barack Obama, <laughs> who never once authorized hundreds of foreign airstrikes and drone strikes. For, for for the audience, we are big fans of President Obama. At least I am. I I take real issue with the number of brown people he exploded in the Middle East. I don't think that's cool. Mm. I think he's a better I, president than Trump by a humongous margin. But he's not perfect. Not sure, and the I other have... thing about Obama is, I think that he wrestled with these issues. Like, I think oh, he definitely I disagree did. with some of the things that he did, but I know he actually thought about it. Whereas I'm sure Trump doesn't give, a, you know, rats ass. One major example where he clearly wrestled with something, and I very much disagree with the decision that he made, was in uh, how much public release of information there should be in the lead up to the election about Russian interference in our election. Is this a brilliant segue? What are we doing here? It certainly can be. I mean, it sounded like one to I was ready to, to believe. Yeah, I've already forgotten what we were talking about. Let, let's move on. So that, that, that brings us back to the, to the never-ending Trump-Russia saga. So in, in this case, we are directly segueing to uh, some news that happened this morning, which would probably have been our, our breaking news um, if not for the fact that World War III might have started, um, which is that this morning, Devin Nunez, the chairman of the House Intelligence uh, Committee. And real uh, bright, re- bright dude, clearly. Yeah, if, <laughs> if you want to know how bright he is, you should check out his high school yearbook photo. He had an epic mullet. It really was pretty impressive. He seems real dumb is what I'm saying. Yes, he does. He does not seem like a smart man. So he was forced to recuse himself this morning, um, when it came out that the Office of Congressional Ethics is investigating him. Um, they confirmed that there is an investigation. They wouldn't talk about it further for understandable reasons, but I think it's fairly safe to assume that it is probably about a number of things, but most specifically about the fact that Nunez 
released classified info when he revealed the existence of FISA warrants that led to the incidental collection of uh, intelligence against uh, Trump transition members. That whole thing was shady as hell right from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, you mean the, like, jumping out of Uber and, like, his staffers not knowing where he was and then lying and saying that he didn't get his information from the White House. Right, that, yeah, all that. that. Those, he actually those... got his information directly from the White House, and then he went back to the White House to give them the information that they had given him the night before after he jumped out of the Uber. Yeah, all that. That sounds pretty <laughs> shady to me. Yeah. So his replacement temporarily as chairman of the House Intelligence Committee is going to be uh, Mike Conaway, who is the Republican congressman, or one of the Republican congressmen from Texas who will be assisted by um, one of my favorite congresspeople, Trey Gowdy, um, who is really an awful person. They're all terrible. What? I mean, Nunez had to go because he was clearly so co-opted. Well, and what he did was so stupid. Like, there are smooth ways to do what he did, and he didn't do those. There was nothing smooth. He was like, hey, um, the White House said, I mean... I heard. Well, as, as um, John and I talked about last week, everything that he did actually ended up implicating the Trump White House more. Like it, yeah. it was not actually helpful to them in any way. Every way he stepped, another rake. It was basically it was like <laughs> that episode of The Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Mike Conaway, who's going to be taking over, is a real winner. So I'm not, I'm not sure we're going to see a much more independent and objective and bipartisan investigation. Mike Conaway is the guy who tried to gotcha um, James Comey at the public hearing a few weeks ago before Devin Nunez shut everything down um, when he, he figured out that he had, he had really nailed Comey because he, he asked Comey, was Putin really interested in preventing Hillary Clinton from becoming president? And Comey said, yes, in fact... Putin was interested in that. And then Conaway prosecuted the point by saying that perhaps does that mean that he was really only interested in denying the presidency to Hillary and he didn't really care what happened with Donald Trump. And Comey pointed out to him that logically, if Hillary lost, Trump was going to win. So uh, by point of fact... If you yeah. were against Hillary, you were for Trump. And then this uh, late this afternoon, a report came out in the Times uh, that revealed that as early as early summer 2016, the CIA in particular had big time concern about Russian meddling in the election um, to the point where the CIA director, John Brennan, who has been prevented from testifying by Devin Nunez, um, was calling members of Congress and the Obama administration on secure phone lines to uh, to, to discuss his concern. And uh, he was prevented from doing more because, of course, the CIA is not allowed to operate on American soil. He was prevented from doing more directly by the FBI. And uh, James Comey, who felt that this was not really a big deal, and instead that... Um, that we should be focusing on um, Huma Abedin's laptop. Emails! So, w- in a real thriving democracy, we have a right to know what's going on in really important public matters. 
and I would argue that this was a really important public matter. It, it just makes it a lot worse when you have the agency which ought to have been doing that instead of doing that, um, lending credence to crackpot conspiracy theories from the opposite end of the spectrum. I always just think of that as that Comey, that they got in Comey's head, the Republicans in Congress, and made him afraid. Well, I think he was protecting, he thought he was protecting his reputation and also the integrity of the investigation, which I think, because he, he, he's really into that kind of shit. Um, and of course, investigations should be done with integrity, but I, I think that was, uh, I think that played a really big part in it. Uh, that, that's actually a really good segue. Um, well, we were just talking about uh, you know, that people who are working in the White House, you know, that they're not all of them are doing so well, you know, maybe particularly in regards to their reputations and so on. Um, and that continued um, this week with the removal of Steve Bannon from the National Security Council. Are you implying he used to have a good reputation? No, but his uh, approval ratings have actually gone down dramatically. They're even lower than than Trump's, which are about like we know Bannon's approval rating. Where Every, everyone has approval ratings, and the two people who have lower approval ratings than Trump are Steve Bannon and Sean Spicer. <laughs> Poor Spicer. Where's uh, Where's um, Cheney on that scale? He uh, represents the bottom axis. Peak Cheney. Christian Bale is in talks to play Dick Cheney in a biopic. What? <laughs> I'm not making That's, it up. Is this a biopic like 60 more years in the making? Dick Cheney is like, I'll give you a million dollars. <laughs> I don't know. They'll use a lot what, of makeup. What, you couldn't get Chris Hemsworth? <laughs> I think, I think ah, Andy Adams is going to ah, play Lynn Cheney. They should get the Danny DeVito as the Penguin should play Dick Cheney. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't find Bannon's approval rating. I'm incre- I'm like incredulous it can be measured using normal mathematics. <laughs> it has probably a very large error bars and that they go below. Who zero. where's the guy who approves of him? This guy's like a <laughs> the people who read Breitbart. He's like a neo-confederate white supremacist monster. Here we go. Watching I've got it. Ah, the, so his so his approval rating is 35%. Oh, that is a bad one. So, uh, oh, that's Sean Spicer. Oh, Bannon's eleven percent. So, as of April fourth, <laughs> Sean Spicer is at twenty percent, and Steve Bannon is at eleven percent. That's down there with like to cholera, Quinnipiac, yeah. Which and Quinnipiac's a pretty legitimate pollster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bannon's super hateable, and plus he's a impotent failure. So you know, he makes himself look great by by rage quitting, uh, attempted rage quitting. Yeah, there's nothing uh, more. after being demoted. <laughs> There's no, I'm more... sorry. After after achieving everything he set out to do on the National Security Council in just 13, Andrew, weeks. you've got to use the lingo. He deoperationalized. Deoperationalized. That's right. I mean, and, you know, and this goes back to what Andrew was talking about at uh, at the top of the show. Um, but you know, I think objectively, Bannon being removed from the NSC is a good thing. It's obviously a good. Th- it's like the frustrating thing to me is it's like. On net, it's so bad that it ever even happened in the first place. Like, sure, yeah. it's like if someone came into your house and held you at gunpoint, and then they left. It's like it, I'm glad they left, but that also was all. That never should have happened in yeah. the first place. I mean, and reportedly it happened because McMaster basically put out an ultimatum. You know, him or me. McMaster was like, "What are you going to go through another national security advisor?" Yeah. And Trump yeah. was like, "I'm I'm so tired of all this." I just want to play golf and complain on Twitter. 
which he has done like 17 times. Yeah, he can't get enough already. Yeah. I like, I, you know, we seem like we're pretty right that McMaster, all things considered, is is like holding it down. Yeah, I, he hasn't done anything bad that I know of. Um, this is one of those ones where like the dictator is old and crazy, and so the military guys just start. You see them having more and more prominence. Well, I think that, and then you end Trump up with a military so, dictatorship. He's so stupid and uncurious. We're talking about Trump now. He, Trump, yeah, that he he doesn't know anything about literally anything, <laughs> um, and so. Uh, you know, it's it's like with the the AHCA. You know, he, he he'll ask his advisors. You know, is this a good bill or is this a good idea? And then the couple of people who he's believing at that moment will tell him something, and then he'll say that this was his idea and this is the greatest and the best or the worst. And uh, McMaster and Mattis and whatever have his ear at the moment, thankfully. And so, yeah, I, I think they are holding sway over him to a certain degree, though I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know with tonight's events. Well, Kushner is still the Trump whisperer. Right, and there are a lot of reports that he and Bannon are on the outs. Yeah, it's got to be pretty hard to stay on good terms with some with one of your real class acts like Steve Bannon. Also, talking about dignity amputation for Steve Bannon, you mentioned the AHCA, and remember when he went to Congress and commanded them to vote for yeah. the bill, <laughs> and they basically yeah. like laughed in his face? Well, he had a lot of experience whipping votes from his time <laughs> running a uh, conspiracy theory right-wing website. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like, he, none of the, you're, you've, I mean, you knew I would agree with this, but there, yeah. this is like the dumbest White House I've ever seen or read about. Because even you could just read a quick book about like how Congress works and understand that some functionary from the White House telling them to vote is going to do approximately nothing. Well, they managed to resurrect their healthcare temporarily, talks a and it was all going so bad for about three hours. Yeah, they were like, "Oops, never mind. I forgot. Right, all, never mind. Forget it." I mean, I'm almost sorry that they didn't bring that I one know, to a vote should've. because it was so much worse than the HCA. Yeah, that it would have. I mean. It would have been a gift for uh, Democrats running for the House in 2018. Paul Ryan, the clip of Paul Ryan basically admitting that they can't govern and they don't have any ideas and they are useless. I mean, he basically said that in his speech. He was like, yeah, I think yeah. what we learned is we forgot how to do anything and we are, we're terrible. Why do people vote for us? I don't know. All right, have a good night. He is our most fit Speaker of House ever. Yeah. Well, Nancy Pelosi was in fine. Yeah, but can she do as many kipping pull-ups? I don't know, as, uh... but she sure did pass a lot more laws that got signed than he did. Well, sure. I mean, and uh, she's been, I mean, I think history looks even more kindly at her now because, I mean, remember that the House passed the Affordable Care Act, actually a better version of the Affordable Care Act. Then it went to the Senate where uh, Mr. Joe Mentum himself, Joe Lieberman, personally destroyed the public option. Yeah, he's a real monster, and he. I hope when he. I hope his last thought when he dies is to feel really bad about all yeah. the people who've died because of his vanity and stupidity. It won't, because he will become one with the dark side of the force. Yeah, that's true. He, he is the mm -hmm. emperor, but uh, he's a he's a terrible person, Joe. If you're listening, a, fuck you. Yeah, so I'm I'm <laughs> definitely with Mike on that. Um. I'm like being a neoliberal shill right now. But I remember Nancy Pelosi protected Social Security, she protected Medicare, and she got the Affordable Care Act passed. All while everybody was 
just spitting venom at her continuously for like for like five years. Well, Paul Ryan is he sucks compared to John Boehner. I mean, it's like. Well, and the idea that he's, like, some policy genius, too. I mean, what the fuck? He, he, his reputation does not match his accomplishments at all. It's way out of proportion. So, you know, originally before uh, the breaking news that uh, preceded our recording, um, we were going to, to get a little bit more in-depth on the, the Syria situation. And I think that that Mike had wanted to read some of the the sage words that... (laughs) So, this is what President Trump said about uh, the chemical attacks that Assad perpetrated. Uh, This is the presidential leadership that we want to be able to rely on in difficult times. He says, I think what Assad did is terrible. I think what happened in Syria is one of the truly egregious crimes. It shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't be allowed to happen. I think what happened in Syria is a disgrace to humanity. And then regarding Assad, he says, He's there, and I guess he's running things, so something should happen. So, you know, there you go. I don't know how to make it more clear. If that's not some cogent analysis, I don't know what it is. I guess he's running things, so something should happen. Wise words. Wise My takeaway from that is that he is forgot that... he was president for that minute. No, I, he knows he's president, <laughs> but he, but because he doesn't listen to his intelligence briefings and so on, I don't think that he knew that Assad was the president of Syria. Oh wow! And so I think he was really actually unclear on who was running things over there, and uh, and so he was just being honest. <sighs> Yeah, he he's going to be really bad. The problem is, if we get into a war, his approval rating is going to go way up. Is it? Yes, it is. I'll. It probably let's bet, will. Let's bet money on it. I'm sure it will. It doesn't I, have I, much I don't, room I don't to go think down. that. I don't think that we're in an analogous situation to say George W. Bush in 9/11. No, we're definitely not. Um, but wars I, are good for approval ratings at the beginning. They get worse. Yeah, but I I think that I think that the people who really dislike Trump are not going to be too swayed by him shooting missiles. At no, it's fact, the people in the middle. They're, they're going to be afraid that we're going to get into a shooting war with Russia. Yeah, no, you're right. And it's it's been interesting. You know, Trump's approval ratings are down in the 34%, 35% range. Real bad, and, real basement territory. And he's been, the the demographic that he's been losing the most support among is actually white men. Um, because that was his biggest... Because he tried to take away their health insurance, and they were like, wait, no, not us, the the other ones. So, you know, among, like, white Republican males, uh, in the last month or so, his support has gone from around 90% to around 80%, which is obviously still way too high, but that's a pretty big drop for him. And I, I think you're probably right that a lot of those people would return home. Oh, yeah. Uh, in uh, In a war situation. Um, but I'm not sure that approval ratings and so on will really matter in that situation because we're going to have the specter of uh, Putin deciding to retaliate in some fashion against, uh, you know, American citizens. And on that note, Mike, how are you staying sane this week? I don't really have an answer to that question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, um, 
It's been a hard week. I, I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, we didn't even get into Neil Gorsuch and the nuclear option. And that he plagiarized that stuff in his book, and apparently nobody cares. Insane. So why don't you take the baton? Um, friends and family. That's what I'm doing. Oh, that's this. a good answer. My fiance came home from. Uh, she'd been away for a little while. Um, my parents have been away for a little while. They're back around. Um, that's that's. Did you know, it's it's also it's also circuses, but it is. Uh, it's good circuses. It's well, and you also circuses. you didn't have to think up a best and worst for this show this week. <laughs> that is true. That is my best. I might. I'm indulging in my wonderful laziness. Note to Pod, Andrew will go last. <laughs> yeah, dude, we should make sure not to tell him ours. I, I think, fool me well, once, shame on as me. Long, as, okay. as long as he goes last, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. that's alright, I, no, I have no shame in reusing ones that were said before. I'm not sure Andrew has one time actually completed the best and worst thing successfully. <laughs> I think Without right. using someone else's check. answer. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but I that's was a just good citing, answer, though. Seeing I was citing family. precedent. Smart. You were plagiarizing. Shh. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't different. really have one. I don't really have one either, particularly in light of uh, tonight's news about these um, these missile strikes. Oh God, I know it's really yeah. Depressing. It sort of negates like <laughs> whatever was happening. It means we need to do a new thing. I um. We've bombed a lot of people in my life, and it. It almost never helps. I was looking forward to um, to home brewing some beer, but I'm not sure that it will be ready in time now. Well, I tried that once, and it it absolutely didn't work at all. <laughs> so I wish you good luck. Yeah, what did we decide that your yeast was not? I don't know, man. Uh... We decided that stores sell beer. And the Russia stuff is very real to me. I remember from us growing up, the Soviet Union yeah. existing, yeah. The, being sure. worried about nuclear... I mean, I feel like Trump is just sort of rampaging around a sandbox, except it isn't a sandbox. It's like the world, and there's real consequences that happen when you make mistakes or act hastily. Well, he's, de- he's definitely rampaging around. I mean, that's, there's that picture of him in the truck. Oh, God. Yeah, oh. I should have made that. Was that within the last week? Um, no, <laughs> no, it was because that's my that for me the two good things to come out of this administration are that idiotic picture of him playing big boy truck, and also that that we get to have the word bigly now, and that's all. He's a t- real despicable human. I hope GM. people are looking out for the female staffers who work with him. Wow, that it, well, you I would think... have to be so brave. Hey. Trump declared this um, sexual assault awareness month. I know, and to celebrate, he defended <laughs> Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I don't need to go through the whole thing, but on the tape, yeah. he was uh, he was like, you know, what's really fun is I get to assault people. And I love it, and I do it all the time, and it's really cool. Yeah. Happy sexual that, assault that, awareness month. That did happen. But when you're, as Melania yeah. said, when you're trying to impress the great Billy Bush, I mean, you'll say anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will. Just, it was locker. It was locker room talk in a bus, on a TV yeah. show. 
Because Lord knows I've heard that kind of talk in a locker room. So many yeah, times. we used to, when we were in high school. I was always like, I loved to. I moved on her like a bitch. I I would say all the time. You guys remember? I was there. Yeah, yeah that, that this. If happened. I I feel I feel like Billy Bush would be right to be really irritated, where he's like, I lost my job. And what? And now this guy's president. What counted as so? What the hell? Whatever his reputation. I can't was. even be on the Today Show. So on that note, thanks for listening <laughs> to Sanity Check. Make sure, make sure to join us next week. And if you liked what you heard, you can subscribe at iTunes, the Google Play Store, or at sanitycheckpod.com. And in the meantime, so long as we're still on Earth, keep resisting and persisting. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>